When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Knife Talk is sponsored by Evenheat, the manufacturers of the finest heat-treating ovens available. Find your next oven at evenheat-kiln.com. To the chopper! Welcome to another episode of Knife Talk. This is the podcast for knife makers, people who are just interested in knives, and people who just like to hear three old guys talking shit, really. So, it's <laughs> myself, Craig from Chop Knives, we've got Jeff Fader, Fader Knives, and yes. Mareko Malmasi of Malmasi Fire Arts. How are you guys? <laughs> I heard good, you, I heard you, Mareko, say, speak for yourself. You <laughs> <laughs> want to step on that joke, I want to step on that joke. Quite Come true. On. Let's start with Mareko. What have you been up to this week? Well, I'll tell you what, I've been feeling actually pretty old this week. My, I think as the weather's been getting colder, I've been, uh, I've been feeling a little creakier. My hands are feeling stiff. My back feels really stiff. And, um, there's not a lot to do about the cold. I actually tried to explain it to my shopmate Jamie, uh, when I was over in Connecticut, because I was complaining about how cold it gets here in Washington. He's like, well, doesn't it get colder in, over here? And it's true. Like temperature wise, it gets much colder over in Connecticut but in Washington it's a damp cold it's like you just got rained on and then you're sitting in a blustering wind like it's fucking freezing yeah exactly and so but we just got one of those uh from Costco we got one of those like uh what are they called like a parabolic heater so it shoots like radiant heat uh at you uh unfortunately it's not good for really heating an entire space I think it's more for just heating uh, it's like a personal heater basically just one person but it'll it'll be enough to keep my ass thawed while i'm trying to grind and dipping my hands in cold water buckets and blah 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 but other than that uh the big knife is coming along really well uh i i finally got the japanese uh cowboy handle nailed yesterday but it literally like i had a hard time getting into a groove and feeling comfortable with everything and i think part of it is because i had such a problem last time i kept second guessing myself and so it literally took me all day to get the shape right uh but i got it and now i'm getting ready to start doing finishing coats on it i'm feeling really good about that and uh you know the small batch production uh knives that i'm working on that don't currently have a name (laughs) are coming along good too the handles are glued on i started sculpting on them and uh they're looking pretty sweet so that's what i've been up to this last week yeah i did see the picture that you posted of that they look very good very nice oh thank you Mm. jeff what have you been up to 
Well, you know, a little bit of this, a little bit of that. Actually, the past five minutes, I've been jamming my truck filled with anvils and hammers, and I'm getting ready to go up to see uh, the the Modern Forge boys over at the Maker Camp mm. this weekend. So as you hear this on Monday, it happened already. So I'm getting ready to go up there, and all the all the guys are all up there, and we're going to have some fun. And, and then um, what else? I... I started working. I kept working. I finished off a couple sets of knives early in the week, and those turned out real nice. And then uh, I'm kind of started hand sanding the the fifty um, El Bandito knives I made for uh, Carl Ruiz. Uh, that's going on, and I was invited to a uh, celebration of life, uh, celebration mm. of his life on Wednesday. There was a nice. private thing. The as if you, this is the first time you're hearing this. The guy I'm making the knives for, Carl Ruiz, passed away, and I'm working on his knives that are already sold and getting them all squared away and updating my customers. And they had a uh, at the restaurant that he ran. They had a, like a little remembrance, and I got to meet some people that I had heard on the radio a lot. Uh, I spent a little bit of time with uh, Opie from Opie on uh, Opie Radio, and I spent a little time with uh, Sherrod Small, amazing comedian, Vic Henley, uh, Nick Solaris, who's in the food in the knife world. He's a big meat guy, good dude. And then uh, who else? There was Matt Farah from the Smoking Gun podcast, a Smoking Tire podcast, and I, sure. I met some customers of mine, and and uh, we just kind of. You know, celebrated who uh, who Carl was, and one of the funny, well, funny, none of it's funny, but um, you know, the crazy thing is, I've been constantly just getting inundated with people who want one of his knives, and I've made the decision that I'm not making any more knives for him, and we just really, I don't really want to get involved with. selling knives in in his name and taking money even if there's going to be a charity coming up and i already said that i will provide a knife for them to auction but i don't want another nickel from you know with his name on it just it's just like i'm a lot of things but i'm not scum so that's Mm. that's number two but we every time we make a a celebrity uh um, a chef's collaboration knife. We always have one for ourselves. We have them for all the chefs we had, and we had one for Carl. And we, instead of keeping it for ourselves, I, we, Tony and I gave it to the sous chef, who's now taking over the restaurant. Oh, and that was a really well. I mean, he look. He he was he's an awesome guy. His name is Mario Chappie. He's an awesome dude. He really was more than just a sous chef to to uh, to Carl, and he really. Yeah. He got all. He got a. He got. He got a little emotional when I gave it to him. I'm like, listen, hey, listen. If you cry in this kitchen, I'm gonna slap you in your face. <laughs> so then, but he's a big dude too. He's a big dude yeah. too. And all of a sudden, Tony turns to me. He goes, Tony turns to Mario. He's like, I'm not gonna do anything. To you. you can do whatever the hell you want. I'm getting the fuck out of here. So, <laughs> so, yeah, so, so yesterday was World uh, Mental Health Day, and you're saying to guys, if you cry, I'm gonna slap you in the face. Well, is it was that like the official got, line, is it? <laughs> no, no. But I mean, at the time, it was just like, look, you know, time had passed. I know this is a joy. This is a joyous occasion but but you know let's not cry in the kitchen in front of your staff and you know you're a big guy and let's just you know i understand and i was i was trying to be funzy really i got you i got so, you so but i you know yes i did you know threaten his face with a slap <laughs> but i mean other than that i was like you know trying to like cheer the situation up so then we and then uh boom now i'm i'm sitting in my car filled with anvils and stuff getting ready to go up see jimmy duresta and all those guys is that is that nice. a, a whole weekend thing or is it just the Saturday? Yes, yeah. Cliff is actually Cliff is doing the reconnoitering right now. He's up there with uh, Cliff's up there with uh, Chris Cash 
and all the Jimmy Duresta guys. And um, I know Moonshine Metalworks is up there. I'm looking forward to meeting him. He's all the way from London. I know he and Alex Pohl are teaching a class next week. Nice. So I hope to see those guys this weekend and uh, Chris Zepp and Paul Pinto and all the, all the, all this, you know, East coast guys are going to be there and that's very exciting. And look, it's, you know, we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. Sunset and I are, uh, you know, sunset's going to be there and, uh, you know, Mr. Cheerful. I'm like, I'm very looking forward to seeing his big mopey face. <laughs> you have to say hi for us. I will fir- certainly say hi for us. And I also loaded up the goddamn megaphone. I, I loaded up the megaphone because I got to make sure people know how it is. We're doing two demos well, alongside Alan Durkin. And there's going to be a lot of like high level people there. And we're doing two demos. One demo, we're going to do a giant anchor. And then we're going to also forge a sledgehammer. So I got the megaphone and I'm going to I'm going to blow the doors off of everybody there. <laughs> they so, all know nice. what you're doing. They will all know what we're doing. A hundred percent. No. And I will be plugging Knife Talk Podcast a lot. So <laughs> here you are. Grassroots, baby. That's the way to go. What about you, Craig? What have you been up to, man? Yeah, Craig, you've been in a rush. Oh, it's been a crazy week. Crazy week. So um, the most of it has been dominated with um, the new CNC that arrived. So a little CNC mail that I'd ordered. Um, the whole point of this is we, we talked last week about taking on that first member of staff. And, and the more and more I was thinking, I was thinking, well, I know, I'll get something that will work 24 hours a day for me if I need it to. It won't take toilet breaks. It won't waste time on Instagram, and it'll just cut out handles for me nonstop. Perfect every time. Nice. Um, and it's a little CNC. So it's, it's, you know, it's only a little thing, um, but it works perfectly. I'm just super, super amazed by the power on this. I didn't think it would be that good. Um, it's just zipping through, and any handle material I've given it, um, and aluminium too, not that I'd use that for a handle, but it, it, it zips through that. Um, and it's just been a huge learning curve this week. So, um, you know, if anybody who hasn't used the CNC before, there's obviously the design software, you need to design what you're making. Then there's CAD software, there's CAM software, there's uh, mechanical movement software. There's, there's, there's all this kind of stuff to get your head around, and you've got to get each one of them sure. right for it to work. Um, and I've got it doing the basic stuff that I needed to do. You know, it's it's nothing too complex. It's a it's a two D file of a of a handle, and it, and it cuts it out and it drills my holes ready for my corbies with the nice steps in them ready to go. Um, and it's great. So every sort of three minutes, I'm getting a new a new set of handles made, which is which is fantastic. So I need to be speed up on the blades. <laughs> but um, that's awesome. It's just been real fun as well. Real fun to learn something new and just to dive, you know, completely. You know that kind of when you're learning something and you can't sleep and you're on YouTube at three in the morning. That kind of. I really enjoy that. You know, a real sort of deep dive into something. And um, it's it's. I don't know why I didn't do it before. It was a few hundred pounds, um, and you know, it's yeah. I love it. I love it. So was it easy to translate your information? Was it hard to learn the software programming? Well, I've always sort of designed my knives in a sort of like technical drawing kind of thing in a, in a 2D program anyway. So all of my knives start life on a screen. So I've got, so I've got these CAD files of my knives. So then what I need to do is sort of chop them where the handle stops. So I've, you know, then I've got the, the CAD file of my handle. Um, yeah, I mean, 
A little bit. Yeah, if, if you're comfortable using computers, you, you'll, you'll get your head around it. Um, but what I've never done before is the sort of the cam side of things, which is setting things up for the CNC um, and the tool selection, making sure your feeds are right, your feed speeds and all that kind of thing. So a lot of mm. that was just experimentation and just wrecking a few things, wrecking a few bits, wrecking some materials, <laughs> that kind of thing. But um, once you get all dialed in, it's it's amazing. It's absolutely amazing. And I'm, every, time awesome. I, every time I press cut, I'm just amazed to see this thing moving, you know, and, and the accuracy is, you know, way better than I could ever do by hand anyway. And I just think it's one of those things. It's 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 a dumb part of of knife making, you know, cutting out a handle. Anybody can do that. So you know, the dumb parts. Why not give it to somebody else and I'll, and I'll concentrate on the skilled bits. That's the way I look so, at it. So, so are you when you're designing the handle? Are you giving a little bit of slop for the outside edge, or I'm not. I'm not. No. But are you what, going to? I'm going okay. I'm basically going to the drawings. So what you can do is in the CAM software you can um, specify where you want it cut to be. So whether it's on the line, whether inside the line, or whether it's outside the line, and it'll take into account the bit size. Um, so you get you get this perfect fit. So once once it's been then bolted with it with your corbies onto the onto the actual blade, it's completely seamless. But obviously I'm going to go in and do the polishing then anyway. So you're going to take that down. But you know I generally take the blade the the handle blade sorry the handle um, stock down as well then at the same time. So it's <coughs> it it just works perfectly. I don't know why I didn't wow. do it before. And I had a million messages from people saying. Add tabs to that. Add tabs because I put this oh, video sorry. on of one of the first cuts. <laughs> I was one of those. You were one of them. <laughs> what's add, one, what's add tabs? One, one of many. So I put a video up of the, one of the first cuts, and it cut out these really basic just rectangles, which, you know, before I started doing handles, I thought, let's just cut out some rectangles first. Um, and what I wasn't doing was adding tabs in. So it was cutting out the rectangle, then the rectangle was sort of free to, you know, zip out with the tool, and, you know, it could have caused broken the tool could have done all sorts so what you can do is in the in the uh the cam software is add these little tabs or one millimeter tabs so uh, it don't doesn't pop out just slap out so when you finished at the end you just pop it and it's so satisfying just popping these handles out of the material yeah i love it so that's it's almost become a bit of an obsession this week i've, I've been loving it um and then the today the week didn't end so well, but I'm going to put that in the beefs later because I've got a real beef today. Uh oh. Oh yeah. Oh yes. <clears throat> so French shall... beef. You got a French beef. A, a, a very fresh French beef. Let's crack over yeah. some news. A cold on beef. This is Knife Talk Podcast News. I'm reporting from the inside of my truck today uh, in the middle of a parking lot. <laughs> I think it's a QFC parking lot. Anyways, uh, we got news we want to share with all of you. Uh, first, Firstly, I want to kick it off again, reminding everybody that Blade Show West is happening November 1st to 3rd, um, and that's in Portland, Oregon. Tickets are available now online at bladeshow.com. And if you type in all caps, NEIL20, you can save 20% off any of the tickets uh, that you get, whether it's a single-day pass or a three-day pass. Uh, but the show is going to be pretty rad. They got a lot of cool stuff going on. Some of them is the free seminars and demonstrations they got going on there. And, and I just want to give my buddy Jeremy Spake, our buddy Jeremy Spake, uh, a plug because he's going to be doing a seminar uh, basically 
sharing his love for Scandinavian knives and, and his path into learning how they're made and constructed and everything that goes around them. Uh, they're also the big thing on top of having all the different table holders and vendors, they're going to be uh, doing it the first ever kitchen knife cutting competition. So they got some new uh, information for you guys. Uh, last week, I touched about touched on the fact that they're going to have uh, knife makers versus knife makers. And then on a separate category, they're going to have chefs against chefs. So they're not going to be mixing chefs versus knife makers. Um, they're going to keep them uh, to themselves because otherwise a chef would pretty much just destroy probably most of the knife makers I would get up and try to do some knife skills and knife cutting and stuff like that. But what's really cool is they got a big cash prize. Uh, they didn't disclose to me how much, but they got a cash prize for the, the knife maker side of the winning or knife, the winning knife maker for the knife maker bracket. And then they also, uh, Fingal Ferguson, our guy, Fingal Ferguson. Yeah. Is has donated a knife, a custom made knife wow. as the winning prize for the uh, the chef side of the brackets. So chefs, if any chefs listen to this, and you're going to be in the area. This is an awesome opportunity to show off your skills and get a hold of, possibly get a hold of a Fingal Ferguson Which you knife. Can't get, you can't get uh, hold of. He's got years nah. of people waiting, and yeah, yeah, it's very very special. Yeah. Wow. Me too. So, um, and me so too. this is all going to be. <laughs> Me too. Yeah, you all of a sudden, I, didn't, I was like, I was, I was waiting for that, that text. What about me? What about me? You want one? I'm like, oh, I want one, Fingal. Send one over here. So listen, anybody listening, don't use the hashtag me too now if you want a knife too, because you're just going to complicate the whole thing. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, Jesus. Oh, man. How's hair? Um, all right. Well, keep going. Okay. Keep going, Racco. Oh, sorry about that speed bump right. there. Oh, sorry. Oh, right. All right. So this is all going to be happening at the West Coast pit party so this is happening saturday night they have a, a pit area so in atlanta they have the pit that's the kind of the area where every, they got a couple bars and they got a restaurant and every, it's at the base of the renaissance waverly hotel they don't have something like that in portland because the show event show or the the event space is separate from where most people are going to be staying so they've gotten a hold of an event a separate event space from the show that will be the west side pit and that is where the knife cutting competition is going to be going on and if you go they're going to be giving you a free raffle ticket because they're going to have door prizes as well they're going to be giving away some knives as well as some other stuff uh they haven't given me all the details on that yet either um but if anybody if you're a maker or a chef and you think you want to compete you got to get a hold of the show organizer organizers and send them uh an email at bladewest at bladeshow.com and put in the subject line chef's knife cutting competition and they'll get you the information uh, that you need to kind of fill out and sign and have ready uh, to do the competition at Blade West. I think Kasumi Kev, I know you're listening to this right now, Kasumi Kev, Kev Pellegrino, you should get yourself a plane ticket and get your ass out there and sweep up. Oh yeah, man. Sweep up. See you, See ya, buddy. Sweep up. Right. Yeah. Sounds like a lot of yeah, sounds like it, it's gonna be a lot of fun. Yeah, and I was talking when I was talking to them, they're they're more focused on accuracy instead of speed, because otherwise it'd just be a big fucking mess of chopped <laughs> vegetables and stuff all over the place. And more likely people are gonna hurt themselves because they're trying to work faster than maybe they normally do. So uh it's more about accuracy. 
Okay, so keep that in mind. They will be sharing some of like the cutting uh, tasks that are going to be asked of the competitors. Uh, speaking, next of, week, I think. speaking of stuff all over the place, Mert Tansu posted a video. You know that the YouTuber, what is it, Colin Firth? Colin Firth? Who's that guy? Colin Firth, he's an actor, British actor. Not him. <laughs> it's a Colin, you know that guy who wears a tie? He wears his thin ties from England? He makes stuff? Yeah. Who's that guy? You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> Everyone's screaming. Nah. At he's a, he's a, he does a YouTube videos. He does them with Alec once in a while. He's a super thin guy. He makes like Wolverine claws and all this nonsense. He made a belt with, uh, he made a belt with uh, knives attached to the belt. And he presses a button and they spin around his waist. <laughs> It's like this knife spinning hula hoop. And then he starts dropping uh, vegetables in it to make, he puts a plate underneath him and he's like just dropping. He's like holding down these vegetables and they're all slicing down around his waist. And it was all, it was talk about a mess. It was, it looked like a disaster, but you guys don't know who I'm talking about. So never mind. No. Mm, it sounds like the, uh, the, the little Chinese kid so, from the Goonies. That's a really good story. No, wait, no, it's not a little Chinese kid. He's an English kid, wears, <laughs> an English guy who wears thin ties, and he he he. This is your this is your neck of the woods, Craig. Uh, yeah. I, All right, I, never I'll mind. Have to look, I'll have to look him up. I'll Google English guy thin tie with a <laughs> YouTuber. All right, next to the. Let's go. Keep going. I'm sorry. We've had somebody ring up with some news. All right. Hello? Hey, Knife Talk. This is Jonathan Wessel. I work over here at New West Knife Works in Victor, Idaho. We are looking to hire two more knife makers to bring to our production facility. Uh, if you'd be interested in that position, go ahead and send your resume to Aaron, and that is E-R-I-N, at newwestknifeworks.com. Uh, I'm a huge fan of the show and a longtime listener. Hope to hear from a bunch of people. Bye-bye. Nice, more people taking right. on more work. There you go. I'm actually going. They're going to talk a little bit more about them at the end of the show. But as we were listening to him, the guy's name is Colin Furze, F-U-R-Z-E. Oh. So there you are. Both just doesn't matter anyway. So guys, Colin Furze, he's got like a knife hula hoop, and let's let's just stop. Let's stop where we're at. <laughs> what else have we got? Any I'm more news? Fine. Yeah, I got I got a calendar thing because I don't think I'm going to be able to make it, uh, unfortunately, to the end of the show. So I'm going to do this now. So coming up on Wednesday, the 16th, that is Bob Kramer's birthday. If you don't know who Bob Kramer is, go back to the archives. Listen to Craig's episode where he interviews Bob Kramer. But basically, he is a legend in uh, the knife making craft, and he really helped pave the way for a lot of us. He uh, and, and has kind of brought knife making to uh, the forefront of kind of popular culture in a way, um, especially like alongside with uh, kind of the popularity of cooking, like celebrity chefs and food culture and stuff of like that, and how that's all got really big you know he really paved uh the way for a lot of us i know definitely me directly because i worked for him and he introduced me to this whole trade and uh and taught me so much which i've kind of turned around and helped to share with other folks out there in the world and i know uh I, you know i don't know if, if jeff jeff might have still been on the the kitchen knife making uh kick and craig but i yeah i just i guess i can only speak for myself and say that i would not have but i really know that he's he's really influenced a lot of folks mm. and so uh if people will go give 
him a what's up and say happy birthday to him and say thank you uh that would be awesome i think i think unfortunately it bob gets a lot of credit uh especially in the food food world but uh, i think actually in the knife world he doesn't really get a lot of props i think it, when he first started doing it back in 98 is when he got his master smith i think it was 97 actually 97 he got his master smith he was the only uh, ABS knife maker who is really making chef's knives like professionally and focusing on it and showing that they're not just a knife that they can be artfully done and presented in a beautiful way and uh, yeah so I think it'd be nice if people dropped him a line a DM or commented on a on a picture and just said what's up happy birthday and thank you and yeah what day was his birthday did you say then sorry October 16th this Wednesday cool Cool. Yeah. I shall be doing exactly that. Cool. Any any light news you've got for us this week, Jeff? Well, I, I do. I do. <laughs> you know, crazy, crazy glue is in the news. A lot of us use crazy glue or CA glue. Hmm. I don't know what that means, but I don't know CA, but I know crazy glue. Sinoacrylate. All right. There we are. I think that's. So we use it for everything. It's fantastic. Uh, but uh, some kids are using it now for something real stupid. So uh, <laughs> last year there was, um, I guess there was this thing that Kylie Jenner was doing where she was putting a shot glass up to her mouth and sucking into the shot glass and it made her lips kind of plump up and all these kids are starting to do that. Hmm. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. That's what you guys do, right? Well, all right. So no, I, I go the Bruce no. Jenner way of doing things. <laughs> Yo, chopperoo. I got gotcha. you. I'm with you. <laughs> <laughs> so so I guess now what's happening is uh, I'm reading this and, and this is, comes from Allure magazine, not that we just use the news. That we're using a Allure magazine. This time around, the challenge has been replaced, has replaced the shot glass with an adhesive to make lips appear plump. TikTok users are spreading glue on their upper lip oh. and gluing their lip in place. Oh the result, instant duck face. So I guess they're what they're doing is they're dabbing, they're putting oh a little gosh. bit of crazy glue on the top of their upper lip and then pushing their lip up so the top of the lip is glued to right under their nose. <laughs> oh, my God. What the hell is so, that? I'm all over it. Yeah, well, listen, you're on TikTok, so I'm sure you, I'm, I would imagine you you already seen it before. My, my daughter said. He's also on there. My daughter had seen. My daughter had seen it. She 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 was telling me about it. She's like, yeah, it's the stupidest thing you ever seen. So these girls are gluing up their lips. They're oh. gluing their lips to their upper lip. Now the problem is, is the dermatologists are not happy about it. Uh, just say no to the lip glue challenge, says uh, so and so of the lip board certified dermatologist. Oh. <laughs> Applying crazy glue or any glue for that matter to the skin is a bad is a bad idea for a number of reasons. Uh, the primary ingredient is, as you said, cyanoacrylate. Uh, it's meant to glue things like metals and paper, not delicate skin on the face. Acrylates are extremely irritating to the skin as well as true allergic reactions, which can result in redness, swelling, and blistering, and infections, even permanent scarring. 
Uh, since the uh, acrylates are toxic, there's even a risk of ingesting them when you're applying your mouth. <laughs> These motherfuckers are getting some on their mouth, in their mouth. Uh, yeah, so I've actually seen like pictures of people who have tried to get it. I mean, you've I know that you guys have gotten crazy glue in between your fingertips, mm. and it's like you can't pull them apart. You got I I actually did that recently, and I had to get a razor blade and kind of like cut through in between. So these people oh, are, are, are they're gluing their mouths together <laughs> and then they're getting these terrible bruises and like <laughs> burns and cuts and you know so what is wrong with the world crazy So keep your keep the keep that glue off your face What are your thoughts on people gluing their cuts minor cuts I've seen people using super glue to just bond their skin back together Have you, have you ever done that I'm 100% against it Yeah completely I'm 100% for it. All right, let's, all right, let's have a debate. Now, listen, it would be a very short bit if we didn't if we didn't talk about it. I've definitely done it more than a dozen times, and that was apparently somebody told me that that was the actual original purpose for the invention of superglue. I hear was it. for battle battlefield, uh, you know, care, yeah. uh, helping to close up cuts and wounds. Yeah, and so. And it works. Uh, you know what? I try. I used to use liquid bandage, and that it just does sucks. not hold up. That it does suck. It's the worst. So That's I was the worst. Just like, "Fuck this!" And I started super gluing, and it's been awesome. I'm I, all about it. I, I did it one time, and it got infected. It's it it I got infected underneath. I was like, I don't need this in my life. Hmm. Oh, I would have wow. thought all the nasties in it would would get into your bloodstream. I, I mean, if it could be good. For I, I it was for me. It was for me. It it just like. I didn't. I don't know. Maybe I didn't clean it out right. Maybe it was still bleeding. I don't know what happened, but it was like it started to, after a day. It was just like I could tell that it was feeling bad. So I'm I'm a hundred percent band aid and electric tape guy. Hmm. Electric go. tape That's is my favorite. Good. Electric tape is my favorite tape of all tapes. Sure. <laughs> I, like, I don't. I like. I can't, I'm doing band aid. I'm doing a band aid and then athletic tape over the top of it. What kind of band-aids do you use? Because I don't use those motherfucking fabric band-aids. Those things can kiss this ass because those, I mean, it's like putting a, a it's like putting a toilet scrubber on your hand. Those things get so disgusting. I like the, I like the, there's, I know we're in band-aid. Everybody's like, what the fuck? They're band-aids. There's a band-aid. It's a waterproof band-aid they make out of like duct, uh, out of duct tape material. That stuff's the best. Okay. And rubber band and then uh, electric tape. There you go. No. So guys. There I've you still, are. I've still got a stash of band-aids that um, a former sponsor of the of the podcast sent when I bought something from that. Well, they gave me something and a big stash of of band-aids. This is you're going to cut your fingers, um, and I think Jeff will disagree with me. Uh, I, uh, band-aids are fine. <laughs> <laughs> People have been asking me why I've been making a joke. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not disparaging anybody. <laughs> Abrasives make the world's best abrasive belts for knife makers available in any size and at unbelievable prices. Go take a look at combatabrasives.com and get 15% off with the promo code KNIFETALK15. Do it now! Do it now! 15% off any belt at, or anything that they sell actually at Combat Abrasives. So go check them out, combatabrasives.com. We all use them and they are fantastic. I did get some Scotch Bright belts from them, and their prices are very good. Mm. And I also got uh, uh, adhesive uh, heavy discs for my disc grinder. 
Ah. That was really good too. They're, I I, I like the, what they have. Fifteen percent off. Nice. I tell you what, I've just ordered from them as well. Is I've I've used those those scalloped belts before, you know, where the sides are scalloped. Yeah. But they've always been. Uh, I've only been able to get the one inch wide ones, but they've got the two inch wide ones in stock now. So it's the first time I'll be using them. Oh. So I'm looking forward. Well, now to you that. get yeah, as you always wanted, a little bit more girth. That's what you need. I, I understand. That's what you want. You wanted it. You got it. A little bit more girth. Hey man. Combat. Can I ask you a question? I just cut you off there. <laughs> Fine, worth it. Totally worth it. Always, when you have the chance to cut me off, cut me off. So this is our, our segment called, Hey Man, Can I Ask You a Question? You DM us uh, questions and we'll try to answer them. Or you can call the hotline that we've been putting up on the Instagram feed and you can call in your questions and be, you know, interactive. So the first question comes from Fallbrook Forge. Hey, cutie. When finishing grinding a kitchen knife, do you take any special precautions to keep from burning a tip? Love the podcast. Cheers, Tyler. So how do you prevent the tip from being burnt? Burnt up. Yeah. Sharp belts. Combat abrasive. Sharp belts. <laughs> I, I always use sharp belts, especially when I'm getting to the last little bits. Um, and also, I keep a, a bucket of water nearby so that I can quench into the bucket. Uh, I don't wait to feel heat. I kind of do it more on a timing thing so i just like grind 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 for about four or five seconds and then dip the dip the tip into the bucket yeah, and then i'm back to the grind girl. back back and forth yeah and girl way, i know i'm keeping it cool um yeah. without kind of waiting for it to get hot don't wait so many don't, jokes so many if it jokes. is don't wait I'm pretty much the same. Yeah, just I, I just have a bucket there, keep dipping, and just well, you know when you get when you're getting down to when it when it's super thin, you just got to just be more cautious about it, you know, and just go nice and slow, keep dipping, keeping it cool. And again, I'm, I'm, I hear some people say, you know, they'll keep going till it's too hot to touch. It, it's too late if if it's a real thin blade, it's way too late. So, like yeah, it's not worth it. Don't wait for it to get to that. Just every yeah. pass, every two passes, give it a dip. That's the reason why I don't like to wear gloves. Sometimes I wear very thin nylon, uh, those um, latex gloves, because if you can feel, if it's too hot for your fingers, always dip it. Yeah. Yeah. So we're good. Yeah, yeah. I, I I grind barehanded as well. Yeah. Now, I, used to, I used to do gloves, but now I'm grinding bare barehanded. Oh, yeah. All right, baby. Let's Never go to the next girl. question before something goes weird. <laughs> this next one's from at kinds father's knives he says how many uh hey man can i ask you a question how does the craft of knife making influence your character do you take life lessons out of your time in the shop hmm. Hmm. i would say i get a lot of time to think while i'm grinding or hand sanding or doing whatever but yeah I, i'd say that, that no, I don't. Um, but, but but like you said, it gives me time. So I listen to a lot of stuff. I listen to a lot of podcasts and that kind of thing. Which obviously that's going to influence my character, that kind of thing. But the sure. the knife making itself, it's you know, it's 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 a job. You know, it's something that I love doing. But it's it, it. I don't think it's shaping me as a person as such. Blacksmithing and knife making has shaped me as a person for sure. Blacksmithing more than anything else. Nothing has changed the person who I, you know, it's weird because I, I started totally backwards. I started out as an artist and then I started going backwards and working for technical places. Usually you start off with like a technical job and then you start to become an artist, but I went backwards. But becoming a blacksmith and learning that every time you put something in the fire, you have to be super mentally prepared because you have such a limited amount of time to work. You become more organized. I wasn't as organized before. It just wasn't in me. And 
to be able to kind of like, you know, focus on accuracy, but also the amount of time and the preparation between heats, it got to the point where I became so much more organized with everything, especially like when I do demos, if I speak, when I speak, I spoke at a couple places and the preparation of being a blacksmith has allowed me to, um, become better suited in life because I'm far more organized where I wouldn't have before. Yeah, it's just I, it's it's everything is you know game plans and the other thing is is when I was when we were I was doing a lot of installations I was in charge of putting all the install trucks together so like if we didn't have something when we were in the field everyone looked at me so I had to become more organized in terms of do we have doubles on the five thirty seconds bits or do we have enough taps or we have you had to think about every single different thing that you could possibly need in the shop in the install truck. And that made me much more um, organized in terms of being ready to roll. So yeah, the answer is yes. It's it's totally helped me. And I, and I try to do it whenever I, I do anything. I'm, I, I try to be as focused and as uh, organized as possible. There you go. Nice. No dick jokes in that question. No, no, quite serious. Yeah. Quite serious. Yeah, very much. Yeah. The pragmatic okay. redneck is asked. Oh, hold on, hold on a second. Sure. So I'm down to five percent. Sadly to say, I have to say goodbye to you guys because I, I don't want to lose my portion of the recording. Ah, so yeah. I'm gonna shut her down. I'm sorry. It's I'm sorry. It's short, but I gotta well, it's go. Good to see you. Have a good week, yeah. and we'll see you soon. See you soon. All right, buddy. All right, there Take we care, are. Guys, have a good show. All right, bye, All right bye, there, bye, bye. Bye. there we are. Well, this next question... And then question, there was two. And then uh, there was two. It's probably good that Mareko isn't listening to this next <laughs> question. It's probably perfect timing. <laughs> Go ahead. The Pragmatic Redneck asks, next time Mareko does a Britney Spears cover, can he be wearing pigtails and a schoolgirl outfit? And apparently he's asking for a friend. Yeah. yeah right. Uh, right. You, you slipped out just in time, Mareko. You slipped out just in time. Yeah. <laughs> Let's there move to the so, phones. Yeah. Let's move to the phones. Hello? I would love to ask you a question. Go ahead. Uh, I think I'm supposed to ask the question here. Um, I'm yeah, just, if I'm going to find Jeff Knife something really, uh, you know, long and thin or whatever, how, whenever yeah. you get to the, um, to the heat treat, how how do you keep it from warping with the amount of forging you're gonna to have to do to forge out a piece so thin? And second question, do you uh do you typically um you typically grind it before the heat treat or after the heat treat? Um relatively new. Just uh anyway, thanks. Okay. All right. So he's asking about heat treating, and I think specifically for forged knives, I think what you're saying yeah. is how do you stop it from warping, and are you doing the grinding before heat treat and all the rest of it? What do you think? My opinion is, and this also goes for stock removal too, it depends on how much material you have. If you heat treat and it's too thin, it turns into like a wiggle, a wiggle worm, and, and, and the blade, it just it ruined the whole thing. In regards to figuring out how to prevent you, there are ways in which you can prevent warping. One of the reasons, one of the ways is to normalize, normalize three times. They also call it thermal cycling. At some point, we're all going to have to just say it's either thermal cycling and normalizing. Everyone gets a little bit confused, but basically you're putting it into the, for, into the oven or the forge 
a, a lower than magnetic, you know, 1500 degrees and then letting it cool, 1400 degrees, letting it cool, 1300 degrees, letting it cool. And then you're allowing the grain structure to kind of relax and reorganize. And what happens is as it's normalizing, you can kind of like it starts to it starts to relax and you, you lose some of the warp. Now, let's say you normalize it. It's super straight. Uh, and you decide I'm going to take a little bit of the material off. You can take a little bit of the material off. Don't it's, it's dicey when you get too thin, when you're heat treating, when it's too thin, like, you know, the general, uh, the theory with, uh, the ABS guys is, uh, you know, you can heat treat and leave it the thickness of a dime. One trick, there's a couple tricks to get warps out. One is when you bring the knife out of the forge or your, or your oven and you quench it in your oil or your water, you can, while the austenite is converting to martensite, now always remember guys, austenite first. Austenite is when the, is the iron carbides in solution throughout the knife and then it, it's in that liquid and you dump it in the oil or their water and then it converts, the austenite converts to martensite. You can dip it in the austenite, uh, dip it in the oil, sorry, and then you can count to uh, you. You're looking for a specific temperature. I believe it's under 900 degrees. Jonathan Porter, you can text me if I'm right or wrong. Or I usually do as I count to 13 or 15. And and you want to you want to agitate while you're while you're quenching because you want to prevent the vapor jacket and the vapor. You want to have that nice oil, that viscosity correct, and you want to make sure that you're tr- converting your austenite to martensite. Count to 13 or 15, then pull it out, and it's still the austenite's converting to martensite. You have a little bit of time to like spend it, give it a little bit, give it a little bit of. A little bit of persuasion into straight, mm. and then cool it down, and then you can, and then it'll continue uh, kicking over to Martin's side. Yeah, well, talking about the normalizing, I remember seeing that video that you did. I think it was when you were doing the Cubans, that big batch of Cubans, oh. and you, and you yeah. held one up, and you could see the color sort of coming out of it and coming back yeah. in slightly. And yeah, it's, it's great to see. Yeah. Well, uh, the the other thing is the, the other thing is is yeah, that's the annoying thing. Like I've I've warped a pile of blades and I didn't know what to do. So let's just say for argument's sake, let's say you still you quenched it, you able to you pull it out after fifteen, count of fifteen, you've straightened it out, and then let's say you put it on a on a on an anvil or something. The anvil can suck out a little bit of heat on the cold side, and what happens is it'll still turn into a banana. If you if you if you finished if it's ice cold it's been heat treated and it's still got a warp in it what you can do is this trick I learned from my main man Nick Anger you take a bar of steel and then you shim it with like a, some pennies or some nails with little clamps and you overcorrect the warp hmm. then you stick it in your temper oven clamps and all and then you temper it and that and then as you and when it when it's finished tempering pull it out. Let it cool ice cold. You can pull it out. You can pull out that warp. The other thing is, if you you don't need to do full two hours. You can do forty five minutes. And if it's after two cycles of four hundred degrees, and you still have a warp in it, drop your oven down to three fifty. Go under what your tempering uh, to, uh, degree is, and then you can keep going it until you get that, and keep going until you get that warp out. Hundred hmm. percent works every time. So what I tend to do is, I mean, all of mine are stock removal anyway, but I use yeah. a very thin stock. It's a 2.3 mil stock for most of the stuff that I do. So I'll 
heat treat um, without any grinding. So it's profiled to shape, but there's no bevels ground at all. Right. Um, simply because, I, you know, I was getting a few warps, and when you're working on a big batch, it's just a time suck. And I think you're not re- when it's a thin stock, you're not really going through that many more belts on a hardened steel anyway. And also, if you've got the slightest of warps, you've got that ability then to, to grind it out. But what I do is I tend to heat treat batches together. So then when it comes to tempering afterwards, I put them all together. So all my knives, you know, they'll be identical, the same batch. I put them all together. I two thick bits of stock, sort of 10 mil stock either side, clamp them together with a, with a metal G-clamp and stick that whole rig into the oven. Um, for its tempering there you go so it's you know it's it's all flat against each other and it'll temper together for that two hours bring it out and do it and you know you're going to be good but then if i do have you know the slightest slightest of wiggles i know i can sort of correct that in the grind and the last thing is for the forging you don't want to forge too too thin especially on the edge because you still have to remove all that scale if let's just say you want to keep some of the scale at the top of the knife Fine, but you're not going to keep at least the first half an inch of the, towards the edge. So you can't go to zero when you're forging because you still have to take some of that material off for a chef's knife. Yeah. So you want to. You're almost better off with some steels is giving yourself a little bit know, knowing how much more material you'll, you you'll need because you're going to have to remove some of it anyway. Yeah. So. There yeah, you go. That's a good question. Yeah. Good question. Though. Yeah, great question. Great question. Max, oh, you go. Go ahead. You go. No. Oh, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. All right. Maximus. Uh, do we do this? Oh, Maximus Knives says, how do you feel when you're putting the finishing touches on a knife? Are you excited it's done or sad that it's done? Excited it's done. You've given birth to something new and you can move on again to, you know, the fun bit again, which, um, yeah. Yeah, I'm never sad. I've got no you real get- emotional connection with the knife. Let's move on to the next one. Yeah, I'm a hundred percent. All right, what's next? You know, it's just like I take the pic. Oh, once I take the picture, then I'm just like, all right, well, yeah. Let's send this in the mail. I don't get too. I don't get too hung up on it anymore. I tell you what, I've got now in my in my shop in the in the corner. It's sort of protected from all the dust and so on. But I've got one of those Amazon, you know, those white picture tents. So as soon as something's done, I can turn yeah. it in there, get a picture done, and it, I know it's done. I can just keep it on my hard drive till I need it. Um, it's just really handy having go. something set up always there. Anyway, we've had another phone call. Oh, boy. Hello? Hey, this is David Ben from Big Force Blacksmithing. Uh, I've got a tip for all my fellow Canadian knife makers. If you're wanting to get into wood stabilization and you're looking for some cactus juice, I was just going to Texas Farrier Supply, uh, because even after the exchange rate and all the shipping, it's still cheaper than buying it from anywhere in Canada. And uh, with the discount code Knife Talk Ten, you can also get ten percent off of anything at Texas Ferries or Bike. So uh, that's my tip. Have a good one. Whoa! Doing our, our sponsor reads for these, us now. These Canadians, these these Canadians are the best. <laughs> we these can just switch has got. I'll go next. Then we'll just let the viewers do the rest. That'd be great. Outstanding! <laughs> Canadians are the greatest. What a great! Yep, yeah, there you go. Texas Ferry Supply. Get your fifteen. Get your ten percent off. Yeah, and ship into Canada. Cool. Summit and Seasmith in asked, hey QDs, when oh we've done this one. We've done that. No, we haven't. Uh, have we? Yeah, we did. Oh last baby, week. we have. Yeah. All, right, no, all right. Burning River Forge asks, Hey QDs, can I ask you a question? I've never forged a billet of Damascus into a blade before. If I buy a billet and forge it into a blade, what will happen to the pattern? Will it still look good after it's forged? Shame Mareko's not here, but I, I think you've done this anyway, haven't you, Jeff? Well, 
there's difference. I'm not Mr. Damascus, but I mean, I, you know, when you're forging metal, it moves. Mm. And the whole point of Damascus is you have these differing grains of high carbon steel and high nickel steel, and, and they're, they're forge welded together, and as they smush around, they're going to change. So there are certain patterns that you have to be very careful on how you forge them, especially if you want them to look a certain way. If you're forging Damascus and you want it to look like it's pouring out of the bolster, uh, you have to be aware, you have to be careful of that. If you, that's why a lot of people stock removals uh, uh, Damascus. Mm. Same reason why if you have a pattern specific, like Mareko's knives are very, his, his mosaic tiles are very pattern specific, so he's got to be very aware of how the pattern is affected by how he forges the, the tip. Same thing with uh, feather Damascus. With that said, you got you. It's all different, you know. Uh, pat, Damascus is different based on what you want it to to do. A lot of people use random pattern Damascus because who the hell cares? I mean, it's going to be random. That's why it's random. Mm. You know, it's going to be it's going to be what it's going to be. But you you know you have to take an account for how you want that final look to be. A lot of people you can get good Damascus. You can get uh, uh, stock removal Damascus, but you have to know that when you stock removal Damascus, the pattern is going to be a specific way based on how you cut out where your your heel and Mercasso are. Yeah. So, yeah, there you go. Makes sense. Makes sense. Quickie, quickie answer. Okay, this one comes from Kane RVA. I'm a hobbyist maker and have a ton of respect for professional makers making their living at knife making. Being full-time makers, do you find it disrespectful or insulting when hobbyist makers advertise their knives for sale? I've made only a few knives, but get asked all the time from friends and coworkers to make and sell them a knife. Keep it real. Thanks. Supply and demand. If people so, want your stuff, you make it. And don't care if people think you're being disrespectful. If You, you need to do what you need to do. And if if your make if your the quality of your work is enough that people want to give you money for it, go ahead. As long as you're being honest with them, they know what they're getting. Um, that's one thing I do like about the knife making community is that you know people. I, okay, there may be some who you know they they'll th- they'll think oh what the hell are they doing you know they're just getting into it and they're selling but you know who cares about them? Do what you need to do. And there I, are I think- people who have listened to this podcast who said what the hell are these guys talking about. Yeah. It gets to the point where you can't you have to make a decision. And you know, I know that there are people who are who, who say the same to about me and you and Mareko. Hmm. What the hell is he doing? Or what why the hell has he got so many followers? Or who why does he think he can do a podcast? Or how come they're getting sponsors? It gets to the point where everyone's, you know, people look at what other people are doing. And you have to have a little bit of a thick skin, obviously. You don't. The most important thing is you're being uh, fair to yourself, but fair to your customers too. Yeah. Just because the guy down the street selling a knife for five hundred dollars doesn't mean you have to. You know, I've had guys who ask me how much my knives cost, and they say, "Well, I better raise my prices." And it's just like, well, I mean, you know, just because I mean, that, that's that's a you know that's a, that's a With personal decision. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, you gotta you, ultimately. I tr- I like the knife community a lot. I have I've become. I've, I'm very in, uh, thankful to the friends that I've made in the knife community, but I honestly, I'm much more interested as this as a business, and I'm interested in building customers, and, and knife makers don't buy knives, unfortunately. Most of them don't. Yeah. So I don't, a pat on the back from someone or, 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 or uh, you know, a, a, a remark from someone, is it helpful? Maybe it isn't helpful. 
But at the same time, as long as you're being honest with yourself and giving your uh, customers value and being, you know, a relationship and giving them something to say, you know what, that was a really good opportunity, then go for it. And don't worry about what other people say. Yeah, you hit the nail on the head there. Knife makers aren't buying your knives. It's people who want a knife. So, yeah. But there is a there is a there are a lot of sour pusses out there who are envious of other people, and that's just the way it's going to be. You just you know ultimately it's like you know what are you going to we'll wake up in the morning you can't go to work because you know what did you say Big Boy sixty nine had something to say about your knives? No, of course not. You have to like you know you have a little inner fortitude and know that you know we're you're, we're, we're 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 with you. Go sell your and 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 when your coworker asks you for a knife. And he asks you how much, you say, how much do you got? <laughs> and that's the answer. How much do you got? <laughs> a question from uh, Raw Blades. That's R-O-H-R Blades. Uh, Raw. Recently, Raw. Recently, Raw. I've been arguing quite heavily with a customer. Nice start. Um, that told me that he hates carbon steel blades on kitchen knives because it causes food to taste bad. And he asks, how real is this? He says, P.S., I told him that the most probable cause of that was that he either had shitty cooking skills <laughs> or a shitty knife cleaning skills. Yeah, I said, what a customer. What, yeah. a, what a relationship. That is a <laughs> relationship. I have heard that carbon steel can leave a flavor. I would imagine... It can, uh, one of, go ahead. I was just going to say, it can leave a, a metallic taste to certain foods like... Um, especially um, acidic foods such as lemons, that kind of thing. You can, you can slightly taste it. And I'd say it's especially for a new blade, one that hasn't developed a nice patina yet. The other thing is I have had desserts made by the dishwasher at a restaurant who was cutting was cutting garlic. Mm. So so you can you could definitely, you know, it is there are different ways in which you can, you know, look sushi guys use carbon steel knives and they're you know there's not a lot of ingredients so if something tastes a little bit like your knife they're going to notice i would tend to say that it's not the knife it might be the preparation as you were saying Mm, quite possibly yeah yeah no so let's move move straight on 73 forge asks quick question for the gorgeous trio just the just the duo today now yeah are there any concerns for keracotin? Is it seracotin or seracotin? Seracotin. Chef knives, as far as food contamination goes, loves the show and awesome sharing of info. So seracotin is when you—it's like you're baking, you're you're spraying on uh, this material and then you're baking it on at an, on an oven. So yeah. a lot of tactical guys. Uh, will seracote knives because if it's a carbon steel knife it will give protection but it won't be shiny I guess if you're on like you know combat missions and you know what like you know what if you're like snake eyes from G.I. Joe and you know what like storm shadow to know you're out there you seracote your shit <laughs> but uh, it comes off like yeah. if you you know especially if you're like you're like you're, all of a sudden if you're like cutting up a uh, you know a something with a bone in it next thing you know you see a black seracote stripe on your ham i wouldn't i would probably stay away from seracoting anything with food yeah yeah i see aaron goff always always putting coatings on his blades but obviously his are you know tactical blades hunting blades that kind of thing um the amount of sort of prep that goes into into the blade before coating i mean he's always shown pictures of the knives that he's rejecting and you know because you know it's not perfect so i think it, it's it's a lot of work and i think for a chef knife it's not necessary 
Um, but actually, I've just just this week, I, I've got a blade that was coated. So I collect like Oppenel knives. You know, they're, yeah. cheap, they're cheap and cheerful. Yeah. But there's this this this. Uh, so the number eight is the classic Oppenel knife. You know, the, the fold in knife, the number eight. Um, they, they've released not many of them. They call it the black edition, where everything's black. Like, Sweet. Um, and so the blade is black, and the, the the protective ring is all black. And I managed to track one down last weekend. Finally, so I've got one of them. But yeah, it's the only knife that I've got with a coat in. But I, I can't see why you'd want to use it really for the chef knife. Is it is it good looking? It's beautiful. It's beautiful. Yeah. And I, I love Oppenel knives just because of their simplicity. And they uh, they don't pretend to. They're, they're cheap. They're, they're like super cheap. They don't pretend to yeah. be anything, anything other than a cheap usable knife. But this black one, it, it's it's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, not so cheap, but it, it's it's a collector's edition kind of thing. At some point, I actually this is something I I don't know who I was talking to. It uh, you know what? I had Jared Thatcher up here in my shop, and he was up for the day, and we were making bottle openers. And when we finished the bottle openers, I use sometimes I use gun blue on the bottle openers because it makes yeah. the, the steel very dark and it's great. It's usually it's a it's like a acid for oxidizing. Um, oxidizing steel and it, and it turns it blue it turns it blue and can, all the way can, can turn it black I've always been hesitant to use that on a chef's knife or any knife that you know is, is close to food but a part of me is wondering how much worse can that be than ferric chloride like if you neutralize it if you neutralize it will there be can't you can't you neutralize it to a certain degree so because I would love to do a gun blued knife, but I'm always just like, yeah, let's just try not mm-hmm. to put so much so much chemicals on these goddamn yeah. things. I've got a little tub of that perma blue stuff, which is you know, I think yeah, it's probably the same about. stuff. But yeah, it does say on the you know, definitely don't use around food. But like, like you're yeah, right. Yeah, I mean, if, if you it's wouldn't have a, it's yeah, if, maybe if you wouldn't have a sip of ferric chloride. Mm, exactly, so it's like, yeah. what's the difference? Mm. All right, well there you go. That's something to be to ask. We'll see. All of a sudden, everyone's gonna have to gun blue, gun blue yeah. chef knives. Maybe somebody already does it. Who knows? Awesome. All right. So the next question is from um, Black Star Custom Knives. How many times did you change your maker's mark before settling on the one you were really happy with, or did you still use the original mark you first started out making knives with? Ah. Uh-huh. Good question. Good question. I've I've changed once. So the original mark that I had was in almost like a like a handwriting script kind of font. Um, but there's a couple of things that I found with that. First of all, that the, the lines were were very thin. So when it was being etched onto a blade, it was you know it was, it was like pin thin, really thin. Um, there are also a number of other makers um, who've got very similar names um, who have a very a script kind of font. So you know, there's the chance that people could have mistaken, mistaken each other's. Um, but the, the other one for me is if you think about where that mark is going to be used. That mark is generally going to be your logo, which you're going to use on social media, which you're going to use on your website. It needs to work in a small space, so it needs to be quite bold. When you think of you know a little avatar that you'll use on, whether it's Instagram or wherever, wherever it may be. Um, so there's, there, I think there's lots to consider, really, when, when when choosing a mark. It's not just a case of, you know, sticking your name on something. You need to consider how it's going to look across, not just on knives, but across your, your packaging on different, you know, different media on, on in print or on, you know, online, that kind of thing. So, I, yeah, I've changed mine once. Um, uh, yeah, I'm, I don't think I'll change again. I'm quite happy with what I've got. But, um, yeah, it definitely needs a lot more thought than just copying a word and, you know, picking a font and writing your name. 
Well, I have totally have a different answer because mine was a totally by chance. Hmm. So I, I might have told this before. I'll tell it quickly. I was at a uh, old uh, used tool, uh, antique tool place, and I found a, a a punch, a stamp that said the letters G, H, and F. And I thought, oh, my wife's name is Hillary. It's Jeff Hillary Fader. Great. So I bought it for a dollar or two, and I was in the shop one day, and I thought, what the fuck? Do, why do I have to put my wife's name on it? She didn't. She didn't care about. It. She didn't care. About, I was going to do for blacksmithing. I was like, "What the hell? Well, why would I put her name on it? She don't, she's not here. She doesn't give her shit about this deal. She's had it with this deal." So I took the grinder and I ground. <laughs> it's true. I ground out the H. So it was G and F with this giant space in between. And I was like, well, that looks terrible. Well, what can I do? So I started hitting it with a touch mark. I hit it with a center punch. And then I hit it with a chisel. And then I hit it with a second chisel. And I made a star that fit perfectly in between the G and the H. And I said, that looks good. But I need some kind of centering. So I did a touch. I did a uh, center, munch, center mark in the B front of the G and a center mark on the after the F. And I was like, that's nice. So then I was using that for a while. And I kept using it. And then I got a stamp made i paid way too much for the stamp by a mile i'm still using it thank god but hey i paid too much for that stamp and then pardon me excuse me and then when we started doing late uh, electro etching i wanted it to look i wanted it to look like the, i wanted it to look punched so i got my my stamp made into uh, a stencil and when i do the electro etching i go up full blast to etch and then it goes in deep and it still looks like I punched it. And but like my logo for my hats and t-shirts and my website, my website's a little bit close, but my hats and t-shirts were made by uh, uh, this young friend of mine, Dean, who uh, was an awesome little artist. And he he uh, he made me the fader knives font. And that's where we're at. So I'm not I'm not planning on doing much changing. Yeah, you are. Okay, let's do one more, then we'll move on to some tips from our listeners. So Fantastic. somebody's asking, I think it's Joe Amac, I think the name is. Hey Jeff, how do you make those protruding rounded lanyard tubes? So on my some of my like outdoor knives, and I used to put them on my uh, oyster knives. I had a little. I put a. Uh, I would make a little loop. You know, a little hole in the back so you could put your string in it, or I don't know. You know, these hunters, they apparently they uh, when they when they're up to their elbows and guts, I guess the blood gets all slippery. So sometimes they need to tie their knife on so they don't have to drop their knife down in the cavity of the animal. So the problem was was when I was drilling the holes out, I just without anything in there, I thought it looked lousy. And then when I would glue in like a tube that was like sixteenth of an inch thick. Hmm. It still didn't look great to me. I didn't like the way it looked, the way I was doing it. So I figured out was there's an old blacksmithing trick where basically I get thin, very thin-walled uh, brass tube, and then I drive it in after after the knife is finished. The knife is up. To, I, I hand sand and finished. I clear the hole out, and then I drive in um, a bit of tube with like an eighth of an inch on either side. And then I take an awl like a, or like a very thin screwdriver and I kind of wallow out that eighth of an inch on the outsides. Ah, so when you wallow it out, it also will make up the space. The other reason why I like to do those tubes is because if there's like a little bit of weird spacing, you can kind of like with that thin brass, you can kind of like open it up and kind of fix it over. So when you wallow out, you first you do is you wallow it out and then I put a uh, like um, like a rounded center punch in a vise 
And then with a ball peen hammer, I start to fold everything over just a little bit on both sides. I put the punt, I put the the uh, the 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 knife with the wallet out tube on top of the center punch. And then with a ball peen, I'll just sort of break everything over. And then on both sides, I'll just break everything over so they're starting to roll over. But I won't finish it with the center with the ball peen hammer because the steel will make marks. So I switch over to a rubber mallet. And the rubber mallet gives the force, but it doesn't give the dents, and it rolls everything over. And then it gives you like almost a sixteenth of an inch all the way around protruding, and then it covers everything, and then it's a nice finish, and there you have it. It's it's a good finish. I like it. I'm not thrilled with lanyard holes at all in general. Um, it does make a nice – it is a nice little element when they're on right. They're great. I'm about to do 50 on all these El Banditos. I'm not looking forward to it, but that's how I do it. Mm. Mm, there you tip. are. Very good. Tip. There you are. There you go. I assume Boom. you bought those plugs and you you just sort of you know the fasteners that you put in and then they were protruding. But yeah, that's if I was smart, I would do that. But if I was smart, I would that would do that. I know, no, no, I got to do everything by scratch, like a mental patient. <laughs> so stupid. So Moreco's not here to tell you about our next sponsor, but um, it's Indasa USA. So you may think, who the hell are Indasa USA? They're the makers of the awesome Rhino Wet. So I use Rhino Wet, Jeff does, Moreco does. We use Rhino Wet for all our hand sanding because, firstly, it's cheap. Secondly, it lasts for ages. It's really strong and durable. It's it's just it's the stuff. It's it's the stuff to use. It saves you time, saves you money. So Rhino Wet is the stuff to use for hand sanding. And if you want to get yourself some some Rhino Wet, whether in the US or Canada, as we heard earlier. Texas Farrier Supply are the people to speak to because they're going to give you 10% off any of your Rhino Wet but also anything else that they have on their on their site at TexasFarriersupply.com it's not just Farrier stuff There's, they've got a whole knife making sort of part of the website you can get 10% off anything if you use the promo code KNIFETALK10 and as we found out earlier they're delivering to the Canada as well as the US um, go take a look. They've got they've got some stuff which which is you wouldn't find anywhere else as well. So it's also worth taking a look. TexasFarriersupply dot com and they're supplying Rhino Wet as well as everything else that you'd need. I tell you what, I did get from them the last time I ordered. I got uh, a couple of uh, forging punches. Some, uh, they have punches for farriers. They're called. Pl- pl- punch bobs or plum bobs or some kind of bob and and and, and then they're for, for for punching holes for bottle openers they're perfect they're perfect so yeah they have a lot of great little things and they're good dudes okay okay let's have some tips that we can rip into hey you you know what you should do <laughs> i like that that pregnant pause hey i don't know if it's maybe it's me but he said hey you know what you should do hey you yeah. you know what you should do yeah that's it so this is the time where we allow you we allow <laughs> we're so far we're asking you to give us your tips but recently what's been happening is when we've been hearing a tip where that's a little dodgy <laughs> like some food recipe that we don't think so great we'll give it to you so this is this has become craig's favorite part of the t- show or where, where we judge your tips <laughs> let's take one from smash it knives and forge um, he says he's been storing all his sandpaper in an accordion file it's been a great little shop hack it's reduced loss of clutter and he can put the small unused strips in there to save material <laughs> and he can carry it whenever he, wherever he needs it <laughs> yeah. so maybe a new segment can be shop hacks to help productivity I, have, I, have, I love this tip I'm with it 
And Smash It Knives and Forge is also serving his country proudly. We salute you. He was he was sending. He's listening. He was listening in uh, in the field somewhere somewhere. So I'm with you. Nice. All right. So here's a tip from Al Badi Al Sied. I've got hey. to say before you move on, this guy sent me a um, a, a hand sanding sort of uh, li- this little aluminium block with with. Um, like a little jake for hand sanding that was about four or five months ago and it took a while to get to me by the time it got to me i didn't know who'd sent it i'd forgotten so i was going through all my dms and i had so many that i couldn't i couldn't remember who it was and now i've seen the name i remember so thank you very much albody i i wanted to say thank you before but i just couldn't remember who it was sorry it was sort of buried down this big list but thank you so much thank you well as thanks we will be only happy and supportive of this tip right no matter how bad it is right (laughs) (laughs) Ah, all right this comes from al-badi al-seed our friend and supporter hey i got some tips for you guys for those of you who want to learn about the business side of blacksmithing or any small business go listen to the early episodes of blacksmither radio and especially, especially the interviews with Valerie Osternak and Karina uh, Sephora Menzoff. Thanks for the great, great podcast, cuties. Uh-huh. Yeah, the Blacksmith Radio is on the. I believe it's on. It's uh. It's Blacksmither is also the Burn Network, and that's who, who hosts uh, Blacksmith's Pub too. So, right. yes, that is a very good. That is a very good thing to do. So he's written Blacksmith with a capital H, as in her. So is it hosted yes, and run right. by by females? Yeah, Victoria Patty. Oh, Victoria Patty is the host of Blacksmither Radio. Which brings us to another question that we had. Actually, let me just play this one. Hello? Hey, you guys. This is Ashley Childs calling. Um, I've been talking to my buddy, co-worker, Jonathan Wetzel, a lot about your podcast. He listens, he listens to basically every single one. He is curious how often you guys have women um, call in or have on the show because there's so many talented lady metalsmiths out there including myself. <laughs> um, I just wanted to see, you know, how that how's, how's that work and uh, how you guys could get some more women on your show. Um, anyway, this is a really like a tool question. Um, but my phone number is uh, 213. All right, don't be better. Don't get rid of your phone number. Ashley, Ashley, don't get out your phone number. No Jesus, phone Ashley! <laughs> don't give out the phone number, God's sakes, <laughs> Ashley. This is the reason why we're out of you on the podcast. You're giving your numbers out on the podcast. <laughs> but, but that's oh. a very good question, actually, because we know there's plenty of females out there that do an awesome work, um, and b- b- we, we don't generally have people on the show now. It's only when one of us can't make the show. But the previous iteration of the show used to be myself interviewing people. So I think I, there's probably about forty interviews, and I think four possibly five of them with females um and i 
I, I tried very hard to get to get more females on, um, but I will be honest. I did appro- approach some, and they didn't want to do it. And and the reason they they gave me is because of the amount of shit that they get from people, which I think is is disgusting. People should be ashamed of themselves if they're giving anybody shit, female, male, whatever. But yeah, I could completely understand their point of view that you know they're putting stuff out and they're just getting a bunch of dudes in their comments. Just trying to, you know, smack down what they're doing, and and and, and it's terrible. So I, I could see why they wouldn't want to be on the show. Um, but yeah, I mean, I know I think Jeff feels the same. Actually, we're we're more than happy ah, to, you know, to we do our community course. showcase, I and think we try too. to put more women on the community showcase and that kind of thing. I think we should have AC on. I think we should have Ashley yeah. on at some point. Here's the here's the people people send me messages. You know, you should have on. You should have this guy on. How come you don't have this guy on? Yeah. There's a lot of moving parts to this podcast. We usually record on Saturdays or Sundays. This is a Friday afternoon, which is totally different because of our schedules. The other thing is, is a lot of you people seem to think that this is like a real radio show where you can call in. It doesn't work like that. We want the audio to be good, and we have problems sometimes. And a lot of times people don't have the information. You have the a computer. We want a good mic. We have the thing. And then the fact that remains is we're all on three different parts of the planet. And it just becomes a more of a frustration, and we're trying to make it easier. Now, in regards to uh, Ashley Childs, I'm a fan. I'd like to have Ashley Ch- Childs on the podcast sooner rather than later. Yeah, that's just don't give your phone number on the <laughs> podcast, and we'll figure this out. But AC, I'm with you, 100. percent I think Morocco introduced me to Ashley's work in in our showcase probably about three or four weeks ago. That was um, me. It was you. It was you. Right, yeah. okay. And, you know, we we do try to do that. So if, if anybody knows of any other, you know, females out there doing good work, let us know. We're more than happy to shout out. Fine. Yeah, 100%. We're with you. AC, we're with you 100%. There we go. There you are. We don't... That's hilarious. <laughs> yeah. That was like, oh, she's going to say a number. Hilarious. Beep it out. Beep it out. I thought... <laughs> Jeez. We talked about community showcase. Now, unfortunately, I don't have one this week. Do you have one, Jeff? I do have one, and, and it fits in perfectly. Uh, I actually, before I knew that we were going to get a call in from uh, NW Works, I thought I'd just read. This is where from Ashley Childs works at NW Nightworks. Wait, wait there, wait and there, Basically, whoa, whoa, they're whoa, looking whoa, right whoa, now. Whoa, whoa, whoa. You know the rules by now. There's got to be a jingle first. Community Showcase. As you were. <laughs> uh, hey, listen, I'm not the one pushing the buttons. I'm with you. 100%. I love that, dude. Um, all right. So this goes out to NW Knifeworks. That's the guys who called in saying there's a job. Uh, they are actually looking for – they have a, a location in Victor, Idaho. And they're looking for a couple knife makers, and they're saying they're paying well. I don't know what they're paying. Don't ask them what they're paying. Don't start DMing me. What are they charging? Go get your resin. And go get a put on a bow tie and go comb your fucking hair and go send them your resume and go out to Idaho and kick some ass because all of a sudden everybody wants to know how you become a knife maker. When a guy like this, when a guy, when people like this, NW Knife Works are saying we're hiring, go take your, put, pull your pants up, straighten yourself out, go in there and say, I'm here for you. And then learn how to make some knives. So, yeah, so NW Knife Works are looking for some uh, new knife works. 
it, as they say, it pays pretty dang well. That's I didn't say that they said that. It pays pays pretty dang well, and it can and makes uh, make you can make your own schedule. Um, and they've been listening to the podcast. We're with you, NW Knife Works. They're doing a nice job. American made knives. What do you have to lose? Exactly. Go send them a resume. NW Knife Works. Any Europeans out there looking for a for looking for a job in knife making too? Contact Toma at Florentine Knives. Is he still looking? I'd imagine he probably got a ton of applications, but I'm not sure if he's taken anyone on yet. But just in case, send it it to Toma. There's a guy guy who would probably be, if if you're hearing this every so often, it can't hurt to send a resume. And I'll be honest with you. Hmm. Usually, a lot of times, you get the best employees by... By by random chance. So if there's someone who you tra- if you why not? It can't hurt to send a resume to to somebody who is looking for work. All they have to do is say no. So it, it, it's not the. I mean, you know, I know the guys who are looking for help. They're looking for help. But if you're the kind of person who wants to be help, send a resume out. What's the big deal? What are they going to do? You know, they're not going to hunt you down. You say they'll say no. We're not hiring. Can't go. hurt. Anybody else looking for work, send us a note and we'll we'll put it out on the show. We've got beef. Yeah, and we, <laughs> uh. and we only take we only take a ten percent commission. <laughs> if only, if only. There you are. Beefs, we've got beefs. I'm gonna kick things off here because I've had a bit of a day of it. So my beef is fucking Tim, and you may who's ask, Tim? you may ask who <laughs> Tim is. <laughs> so there's there's very fucking little that Tim. I outsource here. Um, but one thing is um, I get logos um, laser etched onto a blade. Um, right. I'd love to have a laser myself. I like the finish of it. It's, you know, it's pinpoint accuracy and it's, you know, it's a deep etch. It'll stay forever. I, I love it. But, you know, they, they cost a lot of money. So so I outsource it and I'm thankful that I live close to Tier, which is like the knife making sort of capital of France. And there's there's a big factory here that, that'll do it. And there's yeah. this guy, fucking Tim, right? <laughs> is this is a real person? This is a real person. So fucking Tim, every time I ring him, he doesn't answer. I'll email and he just won't reply back for days and days. And this goes on and on. And it's just a nightmare. It's just the very last part of a, of a job quite often before I need to send out to the customer. So anyway, just yesterday, he finally got back to me and said, Craig, if you want to come down tomorrow, I'll get them done while you wait. I'm like, great. Okay. So, I mean, t- this is still a three-hour drive for me. Three-hour there, three-hour back. Oh. So I'm like, oh, geez, okay. So I had this, I got 100 knives that need to be done. So I was like, right, okay, stick them in the car. And I thought, well, it's going to take, it's, it's a nice day. We, we'll, my wife came and we took the kids. We thought we'd go out for lunch and we'd make a day of it. Because, yeah, it's a, it's a beautiful place as well. So we head off. Right. We, we, have, we have a little bit of lunch. and We head on to, down to Tim's factory. And he's got, it's a huge factory. And this, this whole estate is full of knife makers. It's, it's crazy there. So we we pull up and there's no cars in the in the hole of the car park and I'm like oh jeez get out of here oh jeez so I come out and I ring this 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 buzzer to the door no response I phone the his phone number no response fucking Tim decided to have the day off and not tell me after only yesterday he said come and come and bring the knives I'll get them etched for you damn you fucking asshole wasted a whole day where I could have been in the shop doing stuff. You know, it's you know, this all the tolls and stuff to get there. It's, it's probably cost me about two hundred pounds today, and I've come back with nothing, as well as a wasted so, day in the shop. Did you get a hold of him? Fucking Tim. No, I didn't. Did I you didn't. get? I didn't. Are you, you know, going to give Tim an earful? 
I, well, I am, but also what I did do is because uh, where his factory is, it's in a, it's in like this big retail park full of other factories making knives. So I thought, well, I'm here. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna knock on a few doors, and I found somebody else to do it for me. So fucking Tim, you're having no more of my business. <laughs> oh, you fucking idiot, Tim! Uh, and there's only one other person listening to this who knows who fucking Tim is, and I'm pretty sure he is just as fuming with Tim as I am. Tim, you son, you stupid guy. Fucking Tim. Why? Why? What is the matter with people? Seriously. Oh. The, the He's French. Is, three hours there, three hours back. You You're know, crazy. And it's like, oh man. How? Who? Well, I mean, that's crazy. Yeah. Tim, Tim, you're Tim. You're you. You had your chance and you blew it. But, uh, you blew than, it, Tim. More than what is, this has happened on numerous occasions. I've been let down by various things. So yeah, fuck you, Tim. Tim. <laughs> God damn it, Tim! That's I would be, I would, I would, I would go to the local welder and weld his fucking door shut. That's what I would do. <laughs> I would do that. I, I I'll tell you a funny story. Back in the day, I used to work in Greenpoint, Brooklyn, and I worked for this guy who was a tough dude. Mm-hmm. And we were in a, a space with a lot of different uh, artists. And this one artist, I guess, I guess he was taking his trash or something, and he decided to take his trash bag and just threw it down the hallway. And my the guy I was working for kind of got into it with him, and they they said, "What are you doing? Throw the garbage and the garbage." And the guy said something to my guy, and my guy puts his finger in his chest and he goes, "You better keep your fucking mouth shut, or I'm going to weld you in your fucking shop. No one will ever find you." Jesus, unbelievable. Yeah, what yeah. So this? Tim, you got lucky. Tim, yeah. you kind of got in the old the old uh, the old welderoo. Yeah. yeah, fuck you, Tim. I'll that just, is that is a, that is infuriating, Tim. It is absolutely, infuri- and I've literally got back we're like ten minutes before this this podcast. So I'm still I'm hungry. I'm tired. Fuck you, Tim. <laughs> Tim. <laughs> well, I you know I my yours yours is way worse than mine. Mine is goddamn printers. I, I my beef is I I have this printer that. I don't know what I don't know. It, so I put the paper in, and I put the the thing, and I actually put I, I cover it in plastic. And it's important. People wonder well, why I still have printers because when my partner T, uh, Tony gets our our orders, he can it's it's got a Wi-Fi, it's on Wi-Fi, it's got an email address, so he can send the tickets directly to the printer. Hmm. So I don't have to download it. I don't have to do anything. They just show up. It's like it's like a restaurant order. You know, it comes right up on the printer. So the printer goes, doo-doo. Something's wrong with the paper. All right, so I open it up, and I open up, and I put the paper in. I put the back. I press the OK button. It goes, doo-doo. Your paper's still fucked up. So I open it up again, and I change the paper, and I check, make sure that everything's good. And I close the door, and I go, doo-doo. Your printer's still fucked up. On and on, I'm slamming it. I'm pushing it. I'm pushing it. Do do. It still still didn't fix it, asshole. Push it in. Take it out. Do do. It's like goddamn infuriating. I'm pulling it out. I'm pushing it out. I'm calling Tony. I'm like, I'm gonna throw this goddamn printer out of the fucking <laughs> out the window. And they press the button. Do do. Still not working. So this goddamn thing got me so. I mean, it gets my it gets me crazy. And then I, I post a little story, and people were saying that actually Andreas Kalani. One of the highest level dudes around said that he thinks that there's dust on my sensors, so I'm supposed to blow the goddamn thing out with. Uh, but it was like, and, and not to mention, my buddy Keith Decent said, "Get ready for all your office space memes." And yeah, everyone's <laughs> sending me uh, the lines from the movie Office Space. But uh, for like 25 minutes, I was going, 
because I packed up this set of knives and then the, the people wanted me to print up all the emails I sent just so that their guests could, you know, the recipient could see it. So I'm trying to print up these paper, these papers. Do do something's wrong. Do do. We hate you, Jeff. <laughs> They're giving me the finger. This goddamn computer is giving me the finger. And basically, the the way I would fix it is I'm going to quote. I'm going to give you a good quote to finish things off with. Jim Palmas is an awesome blacksmith in New York. He used to actually be the blacksmith for Central Park. This the city. The New York City has uh, a few blacksmith positions. Mm-hmm. They're really a lot of just. They're they're called blacksmith, but they do a lot of maintenance and stuff like that. And Jim was on there, and his quote is. If you can't fix it with a hammer, it's an electrical problem. <laughs> yeah. So, I was gonna fucking jack this goddamn printer with a with a with a hammer, but I didn't. So, doo doo, fuck you, printer. Doo doo, still didn't get it. Doo doo, there we are. So, you fuck know, we, you, printers. I hate you. We can send people to the moon. We've got cars that drive themselves. I've never had a printer that just works. Never ever. But so you know this problem. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. There's, there's not a single printer out there that works as it should. It, it's, it's, yeah. I blame fucking Tim. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's your problem, Tim. You <laughs> fucked up. Blame me. You fuck you, Tim. Yep. An asshole. Is there some? Did he? Was it just him back to your? Is it just him in that shop? No, it's 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 a whole business. But the whole business was shut for the day. So, so, so he, he closed have, the whole place down. He must have known if, that. Wait yesterday. a second. Wait a second. Let's just hold this phone for a second. What if something bad happened to Tim, and we're oh, bat we're bashing? Oh. What if Tim? What if Tim had a problem, a uh, real problem? Aren't we going to feel bad about this whole thing? You better have to scrub this whole thing. Fuck him! I hope he does have a problem. <laughs> <laughs> there you go, baby. <laughs> Fuck you, Tim. There's a show. There's a show. <laughs> I hope something bad happened to Tim. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com.